about uh, a, a little bit of a situation that for us that happened that's kind of new to us. About a year ago, uh, a little over a year ago, we purchased a cabin for the first time in, in our, as, our, as a family. And, and I've never, we've never done that. I've never had been part of cabin life. And it is a real fixer upper. Um, if you know me, I'm a bit, I'm a bit obsessive compulsive, and once I get started on something, I don't stop. And so, basically, every day in the spring and the summer, if I had a day off, I was there working on it. And I'm not even close to being done. I have so much more work to do. I, and and one of the things that happened at this at this cabin this summer is I have a family member that shall remain nameless who um, decided that that they absolutely wanted us to have a garden at the cabin. Now. I've had gardens before. We used to actually do gardening at our, in our home in, in Winnipeg here for years and years and years. We had a garden every year. And uh, what happened is, as time went on, there are a lot of work. I, you know, if you have a garden, if you've been a gardener, there are a ton of work. And, you know, the weeds and all that kind of stuff. And, and so what, as time went on, we, we basically got worse and worse at it because our lives got busier. And we just decided eventually, you know what? I'm done with the gardening thing. I'm going to go buy the food. I'm not doing all this work anymore. And I have a lot easier way to get it. It's called money. <laughs> and so we, we gave up on it. So when I had this family member uh, insisting that we do this, this thing, I was like, oh, I have so many other things. Why, why are we doing this? And, and, but they really wouldn't take no for an answer. And, and so we went for it and we, and we did it. And we, we planted this garden. And in that whole experience, it, it actually resembles a little bit of a passage I want us to read. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, and, and this is what it says. It says, Jesus traveled, all through, through, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. And I want us to key, on, key in on a few things in this passage. And, and the first thing I want us to notice is what he, he talks about the crowds. He saw the crowds of people and it says that they, were, that they were helpless and they were confused and they didn't have a shepherd. And when I look at the world around me right now, I, I, it feels like we're in that same kind of place. You look at people and, and they don't necessarily know it, but people are confused, they're helpless, they're, they're lost, there's lots of discouragement, lots of frustration, all these things that are going on. And this is the world that we live in right now in our, in our, in our midst. And, but Jesus' response was, was interesting to me because he didn't, wasn't angry with them or frustrated with them. He, had, he, he loved them. He looked at them and, and recognized that the problem is that, that they don't have relationship with God, that they, they're walking, they, they don't have a shepherd. And, and so he had compassion on them and, and had this feeling. And sometimes we, we default to, to frustration or anger when people are lost. But Jesus, actually, that wasn't where he was at at all. He had this compassion and, and, and desired to, to work in them. And then he made this statement that we've all heard probably a hundred times is that the harvest is great. And what he was saying is he said, when people are in this state, when they are confused and when they're helpless and when all these things are happening, that's when God does amazing things. That's when the opportunities are great, when he can really bring in a harvest, when he can really see that things happen in a significant way. And, and, I, and I think that that same situation is the situation we're in right now in the world we live in. That, that the harvest is, is great, the harvest is ready, and, and there's, there's confusion, there's all these things. It's like we're ripe for what God wants to do. And then he, he tells the disciples to pray this prayer, and he says, pray 
that there would be more workers, because that's the, that's the challenge. We need more workers in the fields. Now, I want to give you a moment. This is a response, so you have to, you have to answer me. When you think about this, this passage that, that we're just reading here, who are you in this passage? Who can help me out? Who are you in this passage? You're the, you're the workers, right? We are. I'm, I'm, I am as well. We are, we are the workers. And so what was happening in this passage is Jesus was literally saying, okay, I have this amazing thing. This, the harvest is ready. I have this incredible season, but we need more workers. So, so he told the disciples to pray for more workers. So he was literally telling the disciples to pray for you and to pray for me. He was asking the disciples to pray that we would be ready and we would be willing to step out. And the reality is you and I, as scary as this might be, are the answer to that prayer. We are the answer to that prayer because it's, it's, it's who he's calling us. And we're needed now more than ever. And I want to tell you a little bit of what I've been feeling is I've been spending my time just praying and waiting on the Lord and saying, God, what are you saying to us for this season? What are you doing in this season? And I've really felt like the Lord has been putting on my heart this, just this sense of, uh, of how great the harvest is going to be and how amazing this next season is going to be and that God has something in store uh, for us and for the world, I think, greater than any of us in our lifetimes have ever experienced. I think God wants to do something so incredible that it honestly would blow our minds away. And as I ask for more details, I don't get those answers. I don't know what that means. And I wish I did. And I also wish I knew the time frame. And I don't know that. I don't know if this is weeks or months or years from now. I don't know. But I have this sense growing in my heart that God is calling us. And he's saying, I have something incredible that I want to do. And, 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 I, and I just feel like the Lord is saying we need to get ready. And we all have a field to work in, each and every one of us, a garden that needs to be tended to. And one of the beautiful things about this is that, that there's actually not a single person here in this room where you don't have a part to play. Because it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, what giftings you have or don't have. Every one of us can be a part of this and every one of us can be used in, in this field. And God is calling each and every one of us. He's saying, he's saying people are confused. People are helpless. They need, they need me. And I want to use you and I want to use me, Dwayne, <laughs> to, to help people to find the Lord and find Jesus. And, and so we need to get harvest ready. And, and there's an incredible harvest, but we need to get, get harvest ready. And God wants to prepare us to be used in the har harvest, to be workers in the field, each and every one of us. And I'm no expert on the whole gardening thing, but I, I've done it enough times to know a little bit of what I'm talking about, enough to be dangerous. And, and here's the things, when, when, if you're gonna plant a garden, there's, there's three things that you need to do. You need to prepare the soil, you need to plant the seeds, and you need to pluck the weeds. And we're gonna start by about preparing the soil. And, and, and you know, in our, our garden back at the cabin this summer, although we, because if you remember the spring, it was, it was brutal, we had to wait, we had to wait weeks, we were under, kind of underwater, and we were super late planting. But to do that, that whole process, we needed to till up the ground. We needed to add fertilizer. We needed to add some peat moss. We needed to do some things to prepare the soil, to get it ready so that it would be able to produce a harvest. And, and so we spent the time and we, and we did this. And because you can't just plant seeds. You can't just, you know, dig a hole in the ground in the middle of grass, plant a seed and put the grass back over top and hope something good is going to happen. It's not going to go very well. That garden is not going to grow well. And you need to actually prepare the soil. And preparing the soil in our lives 
comes back to the same thing that you do for in the ground. It comes back to us making our lives ready to be used by God. Just like you, you make this, the ground ready to produce a harvest, we have to make our lives ready to be used by God. And the best way for that to happen is for us to, d- to develop and work on our relationship with him. And, and, you know, when you think of a garden, and if you're a gardener, you, you know this, it can actually take years to really develop a garden properly. Every year you, you address some things and you might need more nutrients or more this or more that. And you do different things to try to, to get this garden to the way that it's producing properly. And the same thing is true for us in our relationship with God. It's a process. And there's, you don't just flip a switch and go, okay, now I've got a great relationship with God. You make choices and you adjust and you do different things and you go, okay, what do I need to strengthen? What do I need to work on? What are maybe some hindrances that are in the way? You know, sometimes in, in a garden there's, there's stones and you, and you have to get those stones out so that they won't be a hindrance. And, and we need to take the time and evaluate our lives and evaluate where we're at and, and recognize, okay, God, what, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to develop my relationship with you? And, and I think it, it, we do it very similar like that we would to, to a regular garden. We need to be constantly adjusting, reviewing what's, what's working, what's not, and, and what do we need to strengthen and all these kinds of things. You've probably, you've heard me talk about this before because for years in, in my personal journey, in my relationship with God, I was embarrassed to talk about it. And, and for many years, we, we would have, we'd have staff meetings and, and people would be talking about their devotion life and, and, and their private time with the Lord. And, and I would always just sort of stay quiet because I was embarrassed because it was sort of, it was sort of pathetic, if I were to be honest with you. And it, I was not really, I was not really engaged with the Lord the way I should be. And, and I, you know, I was really busy and, and I had, that was my excuse. And if you know me, you know that's how I operate. I'm always, I always have lots on the go and I'm always doing lots of things. And, and so I, I would, that would be my excuse. I'd say, well, I'm, I'm just so busy. It's just hard for me to find the time. But here, here was the challenge. I wasn't being honest with myself because the reality is I found the time to, to watch the movies that I wanted to watch or play the video games that I, that I wanted to play. And, and, and I could find time to do that but not to find time to do the thing that was more important. And so I, I made some choices, and I've, I've talked about this before. I've talked about how I made a choice to, to start deliberately spending time praying every day. And, and even though it was only five minutes a day, and, and I started that journey, and, and I've been working on this for, for years now, and, and really tilling the soil and, and trying to get to the place where, where you know, my relationship with God was in, in a better place. And, and the soil of our lives needs to be prepared. We need to get harvest ready and, and be able to do these things. And one of the things that has, has been happening for me in this, in this last season, one of the things that I've been working on in this journey is actually about taking time to listen to God speak. And, you know, many times when we pray, we spend time asking and, and we have family members in need or this or that. And, and those are good things. We need to do that. That's actually, that's a healthy prayer life. There's nothing wrong with that. But we, we can sometimes spend so much time doing that that we don't spend any time listening and, and hearing what the Lord wants to say in, in our lives and in our situations. And, and so I, I felt like the Lord sort of challenging me and saying, would you be willing to spend some time listening? And, and so what I do now for those last several years is, is I just take time every day. And I just say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? And, and, I, and I write it down. And, and what I want to do is I want to explain a little bit of how that looks. Because sometimes when people say things like this, especially from a stage, uh, it can be unhelpful. Because you feel like, you know, you, you see me and you think, well, he's, he's prophetic and he, he does these things. He's got like some direct line to heaven and, and can hear God clearly. And so that, that's the way it works. And I want to assure you, it, ha- it looks nothing like that for me. 
And I struggle with this just like everybody else. And, and, and honestly, every day I come to the Lord, and I'll explain that in a minute, and I just say, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? But I'm never fully 100% sure that, I, that I'm always hearing from God. I don't actually know for sure that it's God. And I, you know, the reality is sometimes it's, it's probably me. And I can't say for sure, but I, I make this choice to do it. And so here, here's how this works for me is I start by just taking time and, and, and I just talk to him and I just ask. I said, Lord, is there anything you want to say? And, and then I'm just quiet before him. And, and whatever thoughts come to my mind, I, I write those down. Or, or sometimes what I, what I do is I actually visualize me standing with Jesus somewhere or sitting with Jesus somewhere. And, and I just imagine us having a conversation. And I'm just trying to, I'm trying to help myself not get into some formula or some, some thing where it's just like this routine. I'm just trying to change it up a little bit. But my goal is to just so, Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you in different ways. And, and, and because at the end of the day, I'm never fully sure, I, I don't make any big decisions based on these things. And most of the time, 90% of the time, what the Lord speaks to me about is just things like he tells me he loves me and wants to, you know, he has a plan for my life and things that I, I know are true, but they're super encouraging, especially when, when we're feeling discouraged. And, and, but every once in a while, there's something more specific and it's something more, and if it's something more specific, then I take the time to evaluate it and, and, and submit it to others and, and say, that, you know, I'm, this is what I'm sensing. Are you sensing the same thing? And, and we talk about it and at the end of the day, when I look at that scenario, and, and I, I look and I go, okay, at the end of the day, I can't confirm for sure if the Lord spoke all these things to me. But there's really no harm done. Because most of the time, I don't act out on anything. I'm just listening and trying to be sensitive to his voice. And when there is something that's more specific, then I submit that to others and I, and I get others' input on it. And, and so there's really no harm done. And, and there really could be two options. And, and I could choose to go, okay, well, because I don't know 100% for sure if every time I'm hearing it's from the Lord, then I could just choose to not do it at all, which would be the greatest travesty to not listen and not take the time to listen. And so instead, I, I take the time to listen and, and I'm willing to hear that maybe I was wrong on some of these things, but the majority have turned out to be right and confirming and helpful. And, and so this is the choice that I made and, I, and I'm choosing because I'm, I'm recognizing the need in my life that I need to grow closer to God. And each and every one of us, we need to be on this journey where we are taking our relationship and wherever it's at, evaluating our relationship and saying, what do I need to do to make this, this soil of my life more able to produce a harvest? And evaluating those things and making choices. And, and, and one of the things that God's been showing me in this season is the significance of what he wants to do in the, in the coming season. And I've taken that and I've submitted it to other pastors that I meet with and, and have talked to them and I've seen different things happening around me that seem to confirm that God is, is preparing us for this thing. And, and so I feel like God's been confirming it. And so that's why I'm, I'm sharing it with you today. Because I feel like God has been telling me, I need to get ready for this harvest. I need to be prepared. And, and the other thing I feel like he's telling me is that I need to be willing to tell others to get ready as well. And that's why I'm preaching this message today is, to, in a, is a declaration for you and for me to say, okay, we need to get harvest ready. It's sort of like the time this guy named Ben he was serving a prison term for fraud and, and uh, his dad wrote him a letter while he was in prison and said, uh, dear Ben, um, you know, because I'm getting older and it's too hard for me to, to dig in the garden, we're not, I'm not gonna plant seeds this year and I'll have to wait till you get out of prison before I can, I can do that. And so Ben replies to his dad and he says, dear, dear dad, 
Uh, please don't dig up the garden. That's where I hid the money that I stole. Wait till I get out and I'll deal with it then. Well, the next morning, four in the morning, the police are there digging up the whole garden, trying to find it. And, and about three days later, Ben writes another letter to his dad. And he says, dear dad, now that the garden has been dug up, please feel free to plant the seeds. It's the best I could do from here. If, if we want to, and if you want to become harvest ready, you're going to need to prepare the soil in your lives. We need to develop a greater and greater relationship with God. And there is, there is, no, end, there is no achieving or reaching that goal. It's a continual journey that we, each and every one of us, there's always farther to go. And we need to take the time and develop the soil in our lives. But the second thing we need to do, if we're going to be harvest ready, is we need to plant the seeds. And usually when you're planting a garden, you plant several different kinds of seeds. You don't just plant one kind of seed because you want, you want different things. You want to eat different things and there's lots of variety. And, and you know, in our, in our garden, one of the things that I love to plant is yellow beans. And I, I, I you know, freshly cooked, you know, you cook yellow beans with some butter and salt on it are like amazing. And the best part is my kids don't like it. So my wife and I just get to eat them all. And so we plant a lot of yellow beans because it's, it's just great. And, and, and you know, when, when you plant a garden, you plant different things. And also they produce at different times. And some things produce sooner and some things produce later. There's lots of variety and lots of different kinds of seeds. And I think the same thing is true in, in, in this whole area in the kingdom of God, that, that, that there is so much variety. There are so many different seeds to, that we can plant. And, 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 and Jesus wants to, to use all those things. And, and this is what I think the seeds are. Every time we make an investment in the people's lives around us, we're planting a seed. And, and there's lots of different ways to do it and lots of different timings. And so let me give you some examples. If you're, if you're working in the kids' ministry, then you're planting a seed. If you're, if you're helping do greeting, you're planting a seed. If you're working at the soundboard, you're planting a seed. But it's not just limited to things that within the church. Those are, those are great. But I think there are more seeds to be planted outside of the church even than, than inside the church. And so when you, when you care for someone in need, you're, you're planting a seed. When you shovel your neighbor's sidewalk, you're planting a seed. When you pay for the groceries for the person in front of you in the grocery line, you're, you're planting a seed. And, and there are so many seeds to be planted in lots of different ways and, and things that, that God wants to do. And anytime we make an investment, this is what we are doing. And one of the things that I've been really feeling a tug from the Lord about for in my life in a seed that I feel like he's asking me to plant is to be willing to pray for people, uh, specifically people that are not Christians. And, you know, if any one of you came up to me after the service and you told me about a need that you had or something you were going through, I would, I would just say, hey, let me, let me pray for you right now. I'd love to do that. And I'd pray for you and there'd be no big deal. And, and I would do that willingly and freely and not feel any stress or anxiety about it. But one of the things that I've been realizing that the, the Lord's been prompting me to do is there's many times when you will be out places at a grocery store or wherever and people will share a need with you and talk about uh, a child that's struggling or somebody who's in the hospital or, or different things like that. And a possible response would be, well, can I take a minute and pray for you right now? And, and although that's intimidating, right? Because we feel like, what will they think? Will they like, you know? And, and so I've been feeling this tug to, to be willing to do that more and, and, and trying to step out and do that. And I want to tell you about one time that I did it. 
And, um, and it sort of turned out to be a bit of a disaster in some ways. The prayer point went fine, but everything else didn't go so well. And, and you know, it was, it was several months ago and I was, I, was jog- I, was, I was trying to get back into jogging again. And so what I was doing is I was just kind of jogging around my block a few times just so I'd, you know, I didn't get committed. I wasn't like so far and if I wanted to give up, I, could, I was close. And so I'm doing this jog around my block and uh, there was this bus driver pulled over, this lady sitting in the bus, just sitting on her phone and just waiting. And as I was jogging by it, I felt like the Lord was prompting me to be willing to you know, talk to her and, and pray for her. And, and of course, that's, that's like super intimidating and weird. And, and so I have this like battle going on in my mind. I'm saying, God, I'm not going to do that. Like, what's she going to think? And it's going to be weird. And, and, and so then I just kind of jogged past her and I'm going around the block. And, and, you know, but God's still wrestling with me on this thing. And so I, I said, okay, Lord, if she's still there by the time I get around again, then, then I'll pray for her. But you probably know what happened. I started jogging a little bit slower, <laughs> a little bit slower, a little bit slower. And next thing I knew I was walking and then I was just sort of shuffling my feet, just making sure that by the time I got around the corner, she was gone. And sure enough, I got around the corner and she was gone. I went, oh, Lord, it's not my problem. <laughs> you, you, I guess I wasn't supposed to pray for her. But, you know, I knew that wasn't true. I knew that I was supposed to and that I, that was, I had made the choice and I was doing these things. And, and so I was feeling the guilt about it and, and I shared it with some people. I shared it with my home group and I shared it with some other people. And, and I talked about how, how I wish I hadn't done that. And if that happens again, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to wimp out. I'm, I'm going I'm to make the choice and I'm going to do this thing. And, and so then a few months later, I was jogging again. And, and now this time I've, I've kind of getting back into the jogging thing. So I was doing the long route and, and I came all the way around and I, I was about like 10 blocks away from my home and I could see all the way down the road and I could see this bus up there and I thought, oh no, she's there again. And then the thing, all the thoughts start coming in and, and you know, feel like God's saying, all right, you promised people you were gonna do this and now you have to do it. And, and so I'm debating in my mind all the way back and I'm going, God, how am I gonna do that? It's gonna be weird. And, and I actually literally, I took three steps past the bus. I almost, I almost didn't do it. And then I just stopped dead in my tracks and I thought, you know what, what am I so afraid of? What, what, like what? It's not like she's gonna kill me or something like that. And so I turned around and then this is when all the fun started and the disaster a little bit. I turned around and I tried to get her attention in the window but she was on her phone, she couldn't see me. So I, I knocked on the window and I, I just, I scared the crap out of her and she jumped and I was like, all right, this is not starting well. And so then she opened the, do- opened the door and I, I just said, you know what, hi, I, I, uh, I know this is a little bit weird. I just felt like I was supposed to pray for you and I wondered if you'd be okay with me praying for you. And she was actually willing and, and she said, yeah, that would be fine. I'd be happy to have you pray with me. And so then I did what I would do if any of you came up here and if I didn't know you and you came up and asked me to pray, I'd say, well, what's, what's your name? And so I asked her, I said, so what's your name? And then she started to stutter and to stammer and I could tell that I had just made this really awkward. And all of a sudden I'm going, oh my goodness, this is like creepy. She's like, I'm just some stranger coming up to her, asking for her name. Maybe she thinks I'm picking her up. I don't know what's going on here. And, and so then I'm just, I'm panicking inside and I went, you know what, you forget, forget anything. I'm sorry I asked you that, that's, that's super creepy. Just, just pretend I didn't even ask that. And so she goes like, do you live around here? <laughs> and, and so I said, yes, yes I do. I live right over there. My wife, I'm married. She she works over there at that school. I'm a pastor at Church of the Rock. I'm just doing whatever I can to try to make this less weird, but I think I'm just digging the hole deeper and deeper. And all I can, all I can think is, just let me pray for you. I just want to pray for you and leave. And so she, so she finishes, and I, and I said, so is it okay if I pray for you? And she said, sure, that would be fine. And so then I just prayed for her. Nothing complicated. I just prayed for her. And... and um, 
And then I said amen, and I wanted to get jogging again. I wanted to get out of there as fast as I could. And you know what? This is what she said to me. She said, you know, I really, I really appreciate you being willing to stop and do that. Thank you so much. And, and you know, I don't, I don't know what, whatever happened to her. I don't know, but it was a seed planted. Because I was willing, you know, even though I made a disaster of a whole bunch of it, at the end of the day, God still used it and he planted a seed. And, and I think he's calling each and every one of us to do things and to plant seeds in people's lives. And there's lots of ways to do that. And then once again, it doesn't matter how young you are, or how old you are, what season of life you're in, each and every one of us can do this in one form or another. And, and, and one option is to just be willing to pray with people. But there are so many, so many options that we can do this in ways that we can plant seeds in people's lives. It's sort of like the time there was this, this grandmother who was dying and she was on her deathbed and she had her granddaughter with her and, and, and she said to her granddaughter, listen, I want to give you an inheritance. I want to give you everything that I own. I want to give you, I have a farm and, and I, have, I have tractors and I have a farmhouse and I have, I have equipment and all kinds of things. I have over 24 million in cash and, and, I, and I, want to, I want to give you the whole thing as an inheritance. And, and this granddaughter is blown away. She's all of a sudden thinking, my goodness, I'm rich. What am I going to do with all that? And, and she doesn't even know what to say and what to do. And she just le talks to her grandmother. And she says, grandmother, thank you so much. I, I'm so appreciative. I didn't even know you had a farm. Where is this farm that you have? And with her dying breath, the grandmother said, it's on Facebook. <laughs> so if you're going to be harvest ready, you need to prepare the soil. We need to plant the seeds. And the last thing we need to do is we need to pluck the weeds. Now, this is the part that for me about gardening, personally, I hate the most. I despise the weeding part. It's the reason we stopped gardening because our, our garden, we, we were so busy and our garden would become overrun more and more and more. And, and, and then eventually it was terrible. And, and I would try sometimes to help with the weeding, but because I'm not a very patient man in, in some of these kinds of things, it's really not within my gifts. I just started like plucking up the tops and not even worrying about the roots. And I understand I'm not really being helpful. I'm just making it worse. And, and so I, I don't do the weeding in our garden and including this summer, I did not do the weeding. I guarantee you that because it is not my strength, but it is a reality that when you have a garden, you need, you need to pluck the weeds. And, and I think in many ways, the way we deal with weeds in our life is actually the similar way that, that we do with weeds in a garden. Because one of the challenges about plucking the weeds is that it's a never ending process. And if you've been a gardener and you've done it, you can spend a whole bunch of time and you clean out everything. You clean out every weed from the garden. But two weeks later, there's a whole bunch more that come back. And it just is this never ending process and, and where you, you weed and you weed and, and then more come back and, and then you weed again and more comes back. And it's just, it's just a forever process. But the reality is, of course, that as you do weed and stay on top of it, you actually, you can produce something, but it's a continual process, something that you have to work on over and over again. And I think in this whole process of this thought of being harvest ready, that the weeds work exactly the same way. And this, they, they do the same thing as, as in a regular garden. And of course, the weeds in our lives are the things that get in the way of our growth. They're the things that get in the way of our growth and, and, and for us to be productive. And they are the sins in our lives, the hurts in our lives, the, the, the bitterness and, and, and uh, the offenses. And, and the list goes on and on and on and on. These are the things 
that get in the way of our personal growth in, in, our, in our relationship with God. And we need, we need to deal with these things. And, and, and sometimes because we have these things, we're, we can become a terrible witness to the people around us. They get in the way of us doing the very thing that God has called us to do. But I want to be really clear about something today is that this is not going to be a message about me beating you up because of the sin in your life. Because if that was the case, I'd have to beat myself up too. Because we all have weeds, every one of us. We all have weeds in our lives. We have things that, that need to be dealt with. And even when we pull some up, new ones come back. That's, that's just the reality of it. And as a gardener, you really have two choices. If you have a garden in your, in your place, you have two choices. One is, is, do you deal with the weeds and spend the time investing in it, knowing that they're going to come back, but you just stay on top of it and you keep working at it a little bit at a time? And that's, of course, the, the right answer. Or the other answer is you just forget about it and let them go and let them grow and they overwhelm your garden and, and then it doesn't produce anything. And I think we have two choices to make as well. And we can choose to say, you know what, it's too overwhelming, it's too hard, I have too many weeds, and, and I, it's just too hard to work on it. Or we can say, all right, I know they're gonna be more, and I know that I'm not gonna get rid of them all, but I'm gonna work on it a little bit at a time. And you see, plucking the weeds is not actually about being weed-free. That doesn't actually happen. It will never happen in your life, it will never happen in mine. We will never be weed-free. It's actually about the action of working to remove it. It's about the choice to address areas in our life and taking the time and saying, okay, I want to do this thing. I want to work on, on, on this. Instead of being resigned to the fact that we have all these weeds, we actually make a choice. And sometimes, you know, if you're a gardener, one, sometimes what you do is you choose to just take one aisle at a time. And it becomes too overwhelming to look at the whole thing. So I'm, I just work on this one aisle. And I'm just going to get all the weeds and tomorrow I'll work on the next aisle. And we take a little bit of time and we work on it one step at a time. Or sometimes what you can do, what happened at our place this summer is you actually get people to help you with it. And you get multiple people to join together and working on it so it's not so overwhelming. And you can do that by sharing, sharing with people around you and say, listen, I have this, this weed in my life that I'm, I need to get rid of. And, and, and would you help me to, to get rid of it? I want to tell you about a time for me where I had a weed growing in my life. And I, I play, one of the things I do is I play ice hockey. And I was playing hockey uh, with this guy and um, he was just particularly annoying. I don't know what other word to use. And kept getting under my skin and over and over. And every time I'd play hockey with him, I'd get more and more annoyed with him. And, and, and eventually I got to the point where I would go home every day and, and I would, I'd be replaying things in my mind and thinking about how frustrated with, he, I, with him I was. And, and all of a sudden it dawned on me one day that I actually, I actually hated this guy. And that's a, that's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem because I'm a Christian and, and I'm not allowed to hate people. And it's a problem because I'm a pastor and I'm definitely not allowed to hate people. And, 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 and so I had this thing going on in my head and I'm going, God, this is terrible. Like I have this terrible weed in my life. And I'd love to say it was really easy just to get rid of it. I had to work on it a little bit at a time and I had to keep reminding myself this is not healthy. This is not what God wants. And, 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 you know, continually day after day. And I still play hockey with that guy today, actually. But, and, and he's actually just as annoying as he ever was. But he does not get under my skin anymore. I truly actually have no ill will towards him. I have no feelings of resentment or, or, or anger or, or, or any of those things. He, you know, I just play hockey with him. And we can deal with these things, but we have to do it one at a time and work on it. I want to just close with one final story, and it's about a young man who, um, he had a terrible start to his life. And when he was born, 
his, his mother actually didn't want him, and so she gave him to somebody else. And then the husband found out and went and got him back. And that, that marriage ended up in divorce. They, they didn't last. And, and, and the mother was an alcoholic. She was, she was, you know, lots of trouble in her life. And, and ended up remarrying somebody else. But this person that she remarried was, was quite abusive. He was very abusive to this young man. And, uh, and I could tell you lots of stories, but one of the things that he would do because he felt like he needed to toughen him up and he needed to make him a man out of him, is he would take a hard ball and, and throw it at him and he would have to catch it without a glove. He was not allowed to use a glove and, and because the, the, this, this stepfather felt like that was the way to toughen him up. And, and if he didn't use the, if he did use a glove or refused to catch it, he would beat him, is what would happen. And at one point, this, this young man had, had told a lie and as punishment, this, this mother and the stepdad, what they did is they, they made him drink a whole, a whole bottle of castor oil. And they made him drink the whole thing as punishment for, for lying. And, and so needless to say, this young man did not grow up in a healthy home. He became very bitter and, and, and had lots of issues and angry and all those kinds of things going on in his life. And as a young adult, he ended up becoming a department manager at a store. And, um, and he was not great to work with. He was not a lot of fun. He would yell at his, had, had some of, uh, of his employees. And, and one particular time, he had these two ladies and he yelled at them. And they started to cry because he was yelling at them. And he just laughed at them. He just laughed at them to their face uh, because this is where he was. He was he he was, he was in, not in a great place. And, uh, you know, several weeks later, uh, uh, what happened is, is he had this 16-year-old girl that he was, that was working for him, and, and he did the same thing to her. He yelled at her, and, and she just looked at him, and she said, Jesus loves you. And he was taken aback by that. And he, he said, what did you just say? And, and she said, you, you heard me. And she wouldn't repeat it. She wouldn't repeat it. And he kept asking her, and she wouldn't repeat it. And as he left that day from work, those words sort of haunted him. And they, they were in his mind over and over again. Jesus, Jesus loves me. And, and it began a, began a start for him for a journey with the Lord. And it was, he made like this half-hearted decision to follow Christ. And, and, but he was still involved in a bunch of stuff that he was involved in. But he was starting to go to church and got involved in this young adult group. And, and one particular day, what had happened is, is he, because he was still in that lifestyle, he, he really messed up. And, and he messed up in some things pretty big. And, and he just felt like God could never forgive him for, for what he had done. And, and that he just, he kind of crossed a line. And, and so he, he just said, I said, I'm done. And so he went home and he locked his door and so no one could get in and, and he found a, a whole bottle of tranquilizers and he took the whole bottle of tranquilizers and, and, he, and he drank a bunch of beer and whiskey and rum and took it all and, and lied down and, and felt like, all right, that's it. I'm going to go to sleep and I'm done. I'm never going to wake up again. And this is what, where, what was going on in his mind. But what was happening at the exact same time is that group of young adults that he had been meeting with, they were planning an event for whatever young adult event they were going to do. And they were planning an event, and one of them just really felt like that they needed to call him. And so they placed a phone call, they called his house, and he doesn't remember answering, but he, he did answer the phone. And they could tell right away that something was wrong. And so they left their planning meeting, and they went to his house, and the door wasn't locked, even though he had locked it. And they walked into the house and they just gathered around him and started praying. And as they were praying for this, this, this gentleman in the middle of this thing, all of a sudden he came to. And he, was, he had his senses about him and, and he came to this point where he realized that God was working and, and he prayed and asked God for forgiveness. And, and then he yells out the words, I'm free. 
And he yelled out the words, I'm free. And from that point on, he never touched alcohol again. And he didn't have to go to the hospital to get a stomach pumped or anything like that. He was, he was in his right mind. And at that moment, after all those things and all those things he had taken, and, and eventually he ended up becoming a pastor. And eventually he ended up having a son named Dwayne because he's my dad. And, and yeah, you can give the Lord a hand. Now, if you know my dad, some of you do, you can't even imagine that that's the man he was because he's such a gentle, caring guy. But that's where he started. And, and now there is three generations of people that are the result of that, that are Christians walking with the Lord, involved in ministry in some level. You know, whether you like it or not, you're reaping the reward of that because you're here with me right now. And you know, you could think that that story is, is about my dad, but it's actually really not. That story is about a 16-year-old girl who is willing to just say Jesus loves you. It's a story about a group of young adults who were in the middle of planning an event and just felt a prompting from the Lord and were willing to stop what they were doing and make a phone call. And these are not hard, complicated things. These are simple things that each and every one of us can do. And the reality is, there is this amazing harvest that God wants us to be ready for. And we need to get harvest ready. And there's these seeds that we can plant and these things that we can do. And God is calling each and every one of us. He's calling you, he's calling me, each and every one of us to get ready for this harvest that he wants to do. And every time I think about this, this passage in Isaiah comes into my mind and it's a passage where, where God is, is speaking to Isaiah in Isaiah 6 verse 8 and it says, And then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah is the one who answers and he says, Here am I, send me. And in, and in my prayer times, in the times where I'm waiting on the Lord, I feel like the Lord asking me this question, Who will I send? And my response to him is, Lord, here I am, send me. And I feel like the Lord is saying the same thing to you and each and every one of us. And he's looking to you and he's saying, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Who, who can I send? Who will go? And he's looking to each and every one of us and he's saying, will you go? Will you be a part of this? Will you get harvest ready? in your life? Will you, will you do the work? Will you till up that soil and get that relationship with God going better and better? Will you plant the seeds and look for those opportunities where you can invest in other people? And will you pluck the weeds? Will you do the things that you need to do to get those weeds out of your life so that you can be harvest ready for what he wants to do? And so we're going to close this service a little different than we normally do. Larissa's going to come and she's going to help us and, and just going to play something softly. And, and I want to give you a moment for the Lord to just speak to you. And what we're gonna do is we're just gonna kind of be quiet before the Lord and I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes and this is not, you know, you, this is not between me and you, this is between you and God. There's no response to me needed. But I feel like the Lord is asking you this question, who will I send, will you go? And I believe the Lord wants to speak those things into your heart, into your mind and I wanna just give you time to listen to him. And we're not really in a rush and take a moment let the Lord speak into your heart and then think about your reply and give him your reply. What is your answer to the Lord's request for your life and for what he wants you to do? And so I'm just gonna give you a minute. We're just gonna be quiet. Larissa's gonna play in the background. Just gonna give you a minute between you and God just to do business with him and allow him to speak to you and you respond to his request for your life.
just want to do one last thing before we close the service. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed and no one looking around. Maybe there's someone here today and you don't actually have a relationship with God. And, you know, you, the God that created the entire universe, he actually wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be a part of your life. And maybe that's not where you're at. You, you, um, or maybe you used to have a relationship with God, but you're kind of far away from him right now. And I actually want to give you an opportunity to make a choice and to change that today as well. I'm not gonna call you forward or embarrass you or do anything like that. But if that's you here in the room and if you're at that place where you're going, you know what? I've sort of made a mess of my life and I need to fix that. I need to start this journey. I'm just gonna ask you to slip up your hand. As soon as I see you, you can put it down. And I'm not gonna call you forward or single you out in any way, but I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. So if that's where you're at today, just quickly slip up your hand. As soon as I see it, you can put it down. Anybody today? where that's where you're at, you, you know that it's time. It's time to make that relationship. Thanks, I see your hand at the back. Anyone else? Where you wanna do this thing and you say, okay, God, it's time to do business. All right, here's what we're gonna do is we're gonna say a prayer together and it's a prayer inviting Jesus into our lives. And, I'm, and we're just gonna all say this together so no one's singled out. And so let's, let's just repeat after me, Lord Jesus. I know I'm a sinner, I've made mistakes, but today I choose you. I choose you as my Lord and my Savior. I give you my heart and I wanna serve you today. Today I'm a Christian, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, let's give the Lord a hand.